Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language, and we're here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the latest episode of the Church of Roy podcast. I am your host, Steve Dewald, and joined our man in Denver, Brian Wilcox. How are you doing today, buddy? What's up, Steve? Good, man. Good. Just melting. Record highs for heat down here, so that's not great not ideal love it climate change (laughs) yeah this is awesome yeah how you doing man i'm good i uh i'm going to montana later this week uh looks like it's gonna be toasty there but not like unbearable actually strangely enough like the friday that we're gonna be up they're gonna be outdoors a lot that day it's like gonna be like like the high is like 59 that day so it's like just this weird cold day so um the the Montana gods must have known I was going to be outside and my my big bald sweaty head so they they have appeased me with some cool climate climate friendly weather so you were about out of, about out of gold bond for the summer so they're like yeah right, we'll we'll cool off dude spray on gold bond I'm keeping them in business I can't go <laughs> back to the straight powder I mean once you go the gold bond route there's no going back. But um, I also, uh, as you know, we've, we've done a lot of fantasy football drafts. We talked about it a little bit this last week. Um, your boy got a little too wild on our Sunday draft, and I was making some homemade whiskey sours with me and my wife. Um, and turns out, like, whiskey sours is just booze and sugar. That's all it is. And then the booze turns to sugar. So I was violently hungover on Monday. So I spent <laughs> most of the holiday um, – eating Ritz crackers, drinking seven up and sitting in a dark room. So, uh, I'm old. I realize that sometimes I need to act my age. So that that's my, uh, <laughs> no good, no guilt on labor day. You're good. No, nope. Nope. That's what, that's what these unions fought for. for <laughs> shit so, but, um, anyway, 
let's actually talk about some basketball today. Um, the Blazers like keep doing like, I mean, they're not like huge moves, but they just kind of keep churning this roster and, and trying to like tweak it and make it to where it's going to be a very interesting training camp. Reminds me a little bit of like early, I mean, not to the same level, but like the early Pete Carroll era with Seattle where they were just like churning the waiver wire like crazy. I mean, <clears throat> not a lot of those guys ended up sticking, but like they, they're really just, you can get the idea that they're looking for talent in multiple areas. And we're going to get a little into what their moves kind of might say bigger picture, but let's just jump right into it. So they wave uh, Norvell Pell uh, made it a month and a day <laughs> with the Blazers. Um, so, you know, Norvell Pell was kind of the oldest player of this group. Um, uh, big man. Uh, they decided to go in another direction. They bring in the pair of other front court players in Devonte Kaycock and Olivier Saar. Um, so two bigger players, two different styles though. So I wanted to talk a little bit first about Devonte Kaycock, who is a player that, you know, honestly, I didn't know a whole lot about him was not really on my radar when he was coming into the NBA in 2019, but just a classic third big six, seven rebounding specialist, like cut from the same cloth as Kenneth Fareed. So 25 years old, went to UNC Wilmington. We've already mentioned it before USC Wilmington, the Seahawks, and their colors are very close <laughs> to what Seattle's are. Um, six, seven, two forty. Um, actually has a title ring. He was on that bubble team with the Lakers uh, as a two-way player. So he was down there in Orlando, um, came away with a ring. He spent last year in the Spurs system, um, was part of the all-G League, all-NBA G League team in 2020. He has 36 NBA games under his belt, um, was a three-year starter at UNC Wilmington, uh, averaged a double-double his junior and senior year um, as a junior um, – or as a senior, he finished second in the entire NCAA in, to in total rebounds, number one in rebounds per game. So the guy goes out, gets the ball at 6'7". He was kind of the de facto center for that UNC Wilmington team, undersized, playing small ball a lot there, but um, not really going to wow you on the offensive end. Definitely like all his highlights on the offensive end, for the most part, are – stuff are happening around the basket, but really even split too. when you're talking about offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds, this guy just goes and gets the ball. I mean, incredible on both ends of the floor there. Um, but yeah, limited size, not really NBA prototype size for a big man. Doesn't really have an offensive game that anyone's going to write home about, but someone who's going to be very interesting in training camp and still probably has a little left in the tank development wise at 25 years old. I didn't know a damn thing about this guy. I had to look him up. And so it's, I felt like his height was a typo because he's <laughs> never shot a three in the NBA. I mean, granted he doesn't have a ton of minutes, but mm -hmm. he's never shot a three in the NBA and uh, his block rates are pretty small, but then I yep. was like, well, maybe, maybe he actually is six, seven, but looks like the guy, takes good shots and rebounds the hell out of the ball is that a pretty accurate yeah just just you know first look at, at the player yeah i'm obviously i'm not going to act like i'm a full expert here i watch maybe 30 40 minutes of tape um, they are compared to me right now. <laughs> so, so um 
very much a player who knows what he's good at and knows what he's not good at. So like that just screams players that kind of, you know, stick around in this league for a while. I mean, you've seen, you know, he's bounced around since he's, you know, three, four years now. Um, I like what he brings to the table for training camp. Even if he doesn't get that mm-hmm. two-way slot, there's an open roster spot on this team. There's an open two-way slot on this team. So there's a lot of competition coming into here. I like what he brings as far as testing some of these players on the Blazers because he is not going to let you take a possession off on the glass. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is someone where you're going to want to be working on proper boxing out. You're going to want to make sure that, you know, you're getting where you need to be when that ball goes up. And that's the exact type of thing that the Blazers have to win in those margins with how this roster is constructed. So, you know, granted, this is a player who's going to be competing for, you know, the very last spot on this team, but I'm for making this training camp as competitive as possible heading into this season. So definitely. I'm glad they made the swap that, you know, saw there might be a little more potential with this, with this individual. Is there a, can you defend in space at all? Or is he kind of pretty limited? I I didn't, I didn't see it. Um, there's not a lot yeah, of it's hard. Not, not a lot of tape. <laughs> there's not a lot of him switching. Um, that the spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet, crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships. The ZDX has track tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. I saw, um, like you said, his block rates are low, so you're not seeing him really like rotate to the weak side and you know come away with some of those big-time blocks, something you might, you know, you see from Jeremy Grant, for instance. Um, that's just not there. Um, doesn't mean that he doesn't have it in his bag. I mean, he's definitely – his footwork is solid, and that shows – especially, I mean, defensive rebounding, but offensive rebounding, especially, I mean, that's all positioning. So he definitely has that does not waste a lot of movements in those settings. But again, I don't know if he can defend in space, but there is another player who definitely cannot defend in space, but he has a lot of upside. And that is the second player (laughs) that that the Blazers signed. And that is Olivier Saar from France. He is a true seven footer, 240 pounds, um, played three years at Wake Forest. And then when Danny Manning was, um, removed from his position as head coach. He uh, transitioned over to Kentucky. He started uh, 25 games for them la- as his last year in in, in college. Um, yeah, 25 games. Uh, so played at a big-time program, walked into that system. Um, 
he has a very smooth shooting stroke, not high volume by any means, just a little over one per game, but shooting about 45% on those shots. Um, spent last year in the Thunder system. Same thing, still a low volume shooter from distance, but right around 44, 45%. Um, seven points per game when 22 games with the Thunder last year. So he played a little bit in the NBA last year, um, 4.2 rebounds per game. So kind of the exact opposite. Like if you could combine <laughs> Saar and Kaycock, you'd have like the perfect post player, but they come in separate <laughs> packages. Um, so uh, just really that classic kind of French style uh, player who I, I've talked about this before with like Jalen Horde, who actually they played together at Wake Forest, um, but fellow Frenchman uh, just all around skills. Like I think a, any player you get out of that French system, like they very much play posi positionless basketball at a young age. So they all have guard skills. They all have shooting skills. Like they, they're very well-rounded players. Now, <laughs> Sar has some glaring weaknesses here, and that is, you know, defending in space. He has a very low block rate. He uh, has not a great rebounder. Uh, at least his numbers don't reflect that. So um, very much a stretch five, um, but not as stretchy on the defensive end where you're going to want to put him in different matchups. But of the two players, I think he has at least an archetype that's worth exploring, and I think he is – I, I think Adrian Bernisich pointed this out too. I don't know if it was in Blazers Edge Slack or on Twitter, but, you know, kind of pointed out that of these players, he definitely seems like someone who might be eligible for that two-way slot. I, I think he's someone that has a little bit more to give and might be worth, you know, maybe trying to invest some time in. Yeah, to me, he's by far the more interesting prospect out of the two. Uh, seeing those shooting numbers granted on low volume, but, you know, high high percentage on free throws and from the floor all over. And so that's great. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder if there's not a little untapped potential here. It looked like he almost took a step backwards from his mm -hmm. junior to senior year at Kentucky where he uh, was averaging nine boards a game his junior year. And then that dropped down to, well, let's see here. It was uh, not great. He <laughs> yeah. <was hot>. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, but, you know, a guy with that kind of touch and, take a flyer on I like it I like having the size at least in training camp is great the true seven footer 235 is good just have another big body in there so out of the two for me this is what I really like and I'd really love to see him carve out a two-way spot I think that'd be I, I've been I've kind of hammered that we needed a developmental big I don't this mm -hmm. wouldn't be my first choice by any means but mm -hmm. if he could you know kind of show a little more aggression and continue to stroke the ball I, I think he'd be an interesting potential to it yeah yeah i think at 23 years old i mean he's a little bit older on the development curve when you're talking about just like a raw prospect here but the some of the things he does is not stuff that's easily taught to a lot of these big guys mm -hmm. i mean he definitely has a feel for being on the perimeter um for training camp purposes it's gonna be nice to have a big like that there to you know force drew eubanks to get have to come out on a shooter to force yusuf nurkic mm -hmm. in, in practice settings to come out onto a shooter um I think there's a lot of value there. Again, I think there's potential here for the future. I've been with you on this. Um, this roster screams the need for a developmental big, especially a true seven footer. Um, so mm -hmm. again, Blazers sign, you know, bringing a guy to camp who's above six, eight, that's a win. So, for celebration. <laughs> so let's go. So just to kind of 
take an overall look at what training camp is going to look like. So the, the guys who are going to be competing for potentially the last full roster spot or more likely that second two-way slot is going to be Isaiah Miller, who's a player that I really liked uh, from UNC Greensboro, um, just a defensive menace, um, played a big role, committed to playing both sides uh, of the court, you know, offense, defense, very committed to both of those. Then you have Jared Roden from Seton Hall, uh, rookie this year, undrafted, uh, shooting guard with size. Um, we like the size, um, but, you know, kind of low efficiency numbers on the offensive end, but another player who has been a disruptor on the defensive end. And then again, the two players we talked about today, Kaycock at power forward, um, played center in college, but undersized, great rebounder. And then Saar, a stretch five, a seven footer, um, leaves a little bit to be desired on the defensive end and in the rebounding category. But you have this mix of players that I don't know if it's wise to draw too many conclusions for the type of players that the Blazers are bringing in. But I think it's worth noting that they're bringing in two-way guards mm -hmm. uh, and, and then, you know, more size, you know, a, a true gritty rebounder and then a true seven-footer. So, I don't know. Do, do you think it's, it's reading into it too much, or do you think that these are the areas that, you know, the Blazers are, are a little worried about going into the season? Um, I mean, I think that they're looking everywhere to see how they can improve the roster. I think that rebounding is a huge concern for this team. So um, bringing a guy, God, I already spaced his name. Uh, Sar, the seven-footer? No, the other guy. Kaycock. Kaycock, thank you. <laughs> bringing Kaycock just to show, like, a look for a big aggressive guy who's going to be on the boards is, is good for this team. Bring in Sar to, to, to your point, just kind of play that stretch five role is good for this team. Um, I think the guard selection or bringing in Miller and Roden might say more about kind of the player looking for to me since both mm -hmm. those guys are two way kind of seem like they got that dog in them, you know, the yep, Phillips yep. type of type of guy. And so not that Kaycock doesn't, I don't, frankly know enough about it until one way or another <laughs> but yeah i mean I, I think there's a little bit even going back to all of cronin's kind of decisions as a gm i think that billups and cronin are very aligned it seems like they're really looking for two-way guys who play defense and play hard and most of those guys fit that bill with mm -hmm. sar maybe being a little more of a different look or a or kind of a long-term raw project yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely, I think the guard play is going to be very competitive um, in this training camp. I think they want to push uh, just from the outside looking and push Anthony Simons a little bit, have mm -hmm. some people that are going to be in his business and training camp and get him ready really for the bright lights. Like, I mean, yes, he played a bigger role last year, but it was on a team where the expectations for what the Blazers were doing were drastically different. That is not going to be the case this year. So the faster you can get him prepared, get him in that deep water as much as possible, um, I think is only going to benefit this team. And really, I, I think, you know, Roden and Miller are two guys that can do that in camp. So, um, and, and, you know, it might even be to just have some fresh bodies to throw at Dame. You know, Dame is going to come into this season ready to go as much as a guy possibly could after not playing basketball for as long as he has, but. You know, at the end of the day, he still hasn't played basketball in a minute, and he needs yeah. some tough reps, some hard reps, and some guys really going 100% against him to get him ready to go for the season. Yeah, and just, you know, from an overall standpoint of the type of system that Billups wants to run here on the defensive end, getting those real aggressive, 
you know, backcourt guys on defense is only going to help. Even if they don't make the roster, it's going to help to have that attitude, that style in camp. Um, some people who have may, might have DNA uh, on the defensive end a little more in their system than some of the guys that we're accustomed to here in Portland. Um, mm-hmm. But speaking of some defensive DNA and, and people who have been playing, the Bosnian beast has been in action. He's got four games <laughs> under his belt now in Eurobasket. He is the absolute anchor for that Bosnian Herzegovina team. Uh, Herzegovina. I'm trying to get better. I've been watching enough 5:30 basketball to realize that I can't there you go. pronounce it correctly. But anyway, Yusuf Nurkic, four games playing huge long stretches of minutes, which I think that is my biggest takeaway as far as something positive, which I'll get into in a second. But Bosnia is two and two. Again, we're talking about a team that had the second longest odds to win this whole thing. So at two and two, they're very much alive going into their last group stage game, which will be tomorrow, Wednesday, if you're listening to that, if you're listening today, or maybe it's Thursday. A lot of professionalism here. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we're bringing it. They're, uh, they're playing Lithuania in their final game. Um, another, you know, 530 Pacific Coast game. Um, so very early start. But if they win this Lithuanian game, uh, they are into the knockout stage, which is pretty impressive considering what the odds makers thought this team was going to be. So Nurkic, 16 and a half points per game, seven and a half rebounds per game, two and a half assists, three and a half fouls, 3.8 turnovers, 2.3 blocks, 37.9% from the field. 25% from three and pretty decent volume on those three point shots. So we're talking five attempts per game. Um, so I want to credit Brian for this. He called it. He said, uh, Nurk is going to be trying some things, going to be doing something different. He's going to establish himself as the number one offense, number one option on offense. He's definitely done that sometimes to the detriment <clears throat> of his own efficiency. So that said, he has found a way to stay on the court. He had a little bit of foul trouble in that first game against Hungary, but really has battled through that. I mean, playing 29 minutes a game, uh, really long stretches against, uh, I believe it was Germany. He played the entire third quarter. Um, so Ooh. he he looks like some of you know, the up and down roller coaster emotionally. Like, I mean, he's very much one of the emotional leaders on this team, but he has found a way to stay effective and stay on the floor. Um, granted, Bosnia does not have a lot of backup options for him, but he's found a way to stay out there. He's found a way to stay competitive. And really against France today, a game Bosnia ultimately lost, but they were down by 12, and Nurkic kind of single-handedly brought them back into that game. And it was strangely enough through his three-point shooting. So actually, you know, a couple <laughs> back-to-back possessions with three-pointers and all of a sudden Bosnia has the lead there for a little bit in the third quarter. So um, he's found a way to stay effective. Brian, have you watched any of Yusuf Nurkic or are we just going off my notes? <laughs> We're going off your notes, pal. I've been waking up. I've, I've caught some highlights of what I can find out there. I'm you know, really bringing it this week, Steve. I'm sorry, bro. No, no, but you're good. You're look, good. Coming no, out of this, I would has been pretty much positive on for Nurk, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's the number one option for a team that's playing, mm-hmm. you know, they're punching above their weight and what's known as Group B, the group of death. And so, mm-hmm. 
Um, is his efficiency a little rough? Yeah. You know, he went 0 from 8 behind the arc in that, <laughs> that win versus Sylvania. So that'll, that'll yeah. drag your averages down a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think all all signs have pointed to a great Nurkic summer. And the fact that he's playing 29 minutes a game makes me wonder how he looks in sort yeah. of those late game scenarios. And maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so – Especially today, and it's something we talked about, how much we're going to see him defend in space. And we got to see a little bit of that today against France when, you know, they kind of came down to clutch, clutch crunch time. And I think France had about a five point lead and there was some momentum shifting back the other way. And really, they just kind of went to Evan Fournier. Rudy Gobert pick and rolls and really just forced Nurkic into space. And it did not go great. Um, uh, Fournier was in the zone in, in Nurkic's defense, but it certainly left a little bit to be desired. Um, But again, these are really long minute stretches. He will not be asked. I would assume to play that heavy of minutes without rest this next season. Like they're going to find a way to kind of keep him fresh. That's not necessarily the case in this tournament. So, you know, a little slow to react, but still, very much the defensive anchor on that team. Uh, teams just aren't taking the ball in there. I mean, that's what really got uh, Slovenia and that, you know, upset win for Bosnia is, you know, those guards didn't go in the paint uh, when he was in there and it really kind of forced everything outside. Um, offensively though, the thing that worries me is that we've seen the return of like the Nurkic flip shot where it's like no, no, no. catches the ball. It's like half turn and then like the ball's out and it's like, mm-hmm. man, just be a little more patient, big fella. And, you know, go, go for a more confident finish there. But it's definitely uh, been something I've been getting up and watching it through between like premier league formula one and this like i'm basically up at like five in the morning even on the weekends every day <laughs> so so i uh, uh my pets are confused they want to know why the lights are on and i'm up so but yeah all around very positive even though the efficiency isn't great i, I think he has lived up to being you know that centerpiece for this team um but, but again, there's been some other players on that team that have shined as well. Um, yeah. It would of be... a bummer to hear that the old flip shot's coming back. Man. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's usually – seems to me like he does that, you know, unintentionally sometimes when he's just not focused, but a lot of times when he's tired. Yeah, when, and that's – When Big Nerd's tired, he goes the flip shot way more than you'd like to see, and you kind of wonder if that's just a byproduct of that. Um, yeah. Going back to the your comments about him defending in space, if you're listening, you're like – why do these guys always talk about big guys defending in space? Yeah, Nurkic yeah. has been a blazer for years. <laughs> yeah. And I keep going back to like, look, under Stotts, we played the drop. You know, he played mm-hmm. that drop ice mm-hmm. uh, coverage on pick and roll. Chauncey asked him to do com- something completely different, which is be much more aggressive than hedging up at the top during pick and roll. So it was still kind of a work in progress as a team last year. And so that's why when, you know, we kind of poke at how these guys look at defending in space mm-hmm. here and there, it's because we really didn't get a great look at it last year. And you just kind of wonder, you know, how it's going to look this year. Is it predictive? I don't know. Dude, honestly, I can't remember if the, Bla- like, granted, I wasn't really watching the Blazers as critically, you know, like 15 years ago. Um, but I don't know if the Blazers have ever had a, a big man that's like, defends in space because <laughs> like you know that Marcus, was just a, maybe 
but I mean, even even then, I, he I wasn't mean, shut down, but he, he yeah. compete out there. Yeah, I guess he compete, but I don't know. They certainly haven't had a center that that is built to do that. And I mean, mainly that's a product of the system that was built here. But maybe that changes going forward. I mean, granted, Nurkic is under contract Next now year for a minute, man. Yeah, yeah. so um, I I think you will. I think like you hit on it, and I, I mentioned it. A lot of the negative stuff I've seen from Nurkic in this is just a product of fatigue for the most part, I think. Like the flip shot, um, being a little slow to react in space on the defensive end. It all comes from, I mean, he's playing super, super long stretches of minutes. <laughs> so, so it, it's, but it's encouraging to see him not be just getting in foul trouble the whole time he's out there. Um, but I, I think this is all stuff we can, we can build off of. And also, I love that. You know, there's been some wild stories coming out of Eurobasket as far as uh, uh, Furkan Korkmaz getting jumped by uh, players from Georgia uh, the other day. But um, <laughs> that, so that's a little wild. But also, like prior to that, um, Yusuf Nurkic uh, definitely got after uh, Bosnia's government for kind of going cheap on their flight arrangement and, and yeah. some other things like seeing Yusuf Nurkic in the middle seat in coach is uh ridiculous <laughs> so, so the, Poor pic- guy, the picture is uh nuts and you can just tell he's miserable in the picture so um hopefully he has a nice comfortable flight home maybe maybe the blazers can send a plane to go get him who knows but um, Man, I, I hate sitting middle and yeah. coach and he's got a foot on me yeah. So yeah i can only imagine yeah uh it's not where a big fellow should be at all. So anyway, that's our Eurobasket talk. Maybe, you know, hopefully this Cinderella run or turns into a Cinderella run for Bosnia. Hopefully they come away with a win over Lithuania later this week and advance to the knockout stage. Um, I think the last thing we kind of wanted to talk about, um, if you're not a 2K player, this probably is not going to be your favorite part of the show, but I think it's also from beyond the video game i think when player ratings come out i think it's an interesting litmus test of how the rest of the league views this team um granted it is 2k putting this together but i think this is a good way to gauge what you know what talent evaluators kind of think about this team um so damian lillard 90 overall this year he was a 94 on last year's game uh, CJ McCollum, as you know, is no longer with the Blazers, but last year was 85 overall with the Blazers. Um, Anthony Simons is going to be stepping into that role. Most likely is 81 overall. So a little bit of a drop off there. Um, Yusuf Nurkic, positive story here. 81 on last year's 2K, uh, going to be 83 overall to start out on this new game. Uh, then to kind of round it out, Jeremy Grant, 81 overall, uh, Josh Hart, 80 overall. So those are all your 80 and above players. Gary Payton, the second, the big signing, full MLE, 78 overall. And then Nasir Little, Trenton Watford, and Justice Winslow are all 76 overall. So that's kind of the top end of the roster. Um, I did not see where Shaden Sharp was ranked or some of the other players, you know, further down the roster. But that's kind of what it's looking like. I would expect remember these ratings are going to be fluid throughout the season i would say you have a couple prime candidates for improvements to their rating one being damian lillard i think he's going to be 
a man on fire when the season starts. And I think that will be reflected very quickly in the 2K ratings. And then also Anthony Simons. I think there's a lot of room there. I think he can reach levels on par with CJ McCollum, if not more. So what's your assess early assessment of some 2K ratings, Brian? Yeah, uh, Lillard got dinged for sure mm-hmm. for uh, playing hurt last year, but I'm with you. I think he'll come back up. Um, a little surprising when you look at the top point guards to see him kind of down a little lower on the list than we're used to. He's fifth, which isn't horrible. But yeah, John ja Moran at a 93, which I thought was a little surprising, as exciting as Ja is. I don't think he's as complete of a player um, yeah. offensively and still a little has has work to do defensively, but mm-hmm. um, overall, not a ton of surprises. I, I also agree with you on Simons. I think he's got room to grow. The NERC rating was kind of a nice surprise. And I could even see uh, Grant's rating coming up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, might be a little tough just in his role. I think that sometimes the 2K ratings kind of gravitate to counting stats, right? And yeah. His counting stats might, might not be there, but I just think he's going to be such a nice fit for this team. And just nice to see a... Uh, a four on the roster that's an 81. Yeah. It's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see. And then also too, you know, Josh Hart at 80 overall and then this year little at 76 kind of just mm-hmm. continues that idea of, you know, you know, 2K has him rated above this year little, which granted this is not the end all be all by any means, but we've seen it in hoops hypes rankings earlier this year. Um, we're kind of getting the idea, at least people outside of Portland, are really thinking that Josh Hart is going to be the starting three on this team is what I'm kind of gathering from this. So if that is the case, you're looking at a Blazers starting five in 2K with, you know, one player at 90, but then all your other starters are going to be at 80 or above if Josh Hart's your starting uh, small forward. So, you know, not a bad starting point, but, you know, not really like the high, high ceiling we've seen in past uh, 2K ratings which as we know, kind of, really translated to a lot of titles here. So, Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think that that aligns with our thoughts on those two as players, right? I think that mm-hmm. in a vacuum, uh, Josh Hart is a much better player than Nas Little, but just from a fit on this squad and the way minutes are staggered, I still think that, and, and kind of matchups too, I, mm-hmm. I still kind of like Nas in that starting three spot, but I think it certainly could go either way, even though I think Nas does end up getting it. But yeah. only time will tell, Steve. Yep. Uh, all I know is uh, I'm getting extra, like I'm getting so washed at all these games. Like <laughs> I, I down, I made the, I could like, I held off for a while, but I did get the new Madden and like, holy crap, I am bad at that game. Like they have a new passing system that like incorporates kind of like a shot meter almost on your passing. Oh, I, boy. I am a pick machine on that game, baby. <laughs> like I, uh, well, if you're playing with the Seahawks, Geno Smith or Drew Locke, you'd probably throw picks no matter how accurate that pass is, Steve. Well, I, I'm playing with Tua Tungavailoa, and oh, it's, that's right. uh, that's right. it's it's not great. And it's already mm-hmm. super weird to be playing with a left-handed quarterback on that game. Like, everything feels backwards. So, um, even though I am left-handed in real life. But um, on the game, I'm like, what is happening? So... Um, but I'm sure 2K is going to be the same way. I took a major step back last year where I used to be able to play a little competitively online. Not the case on last year's game. Yeah, I'm, I'm I definitely, I've lost it. I, when I Washed. play like the, my player, I'm just like, I'm here to rebound and play defense. Don't <laughs> give me the ball on offense. <laughs> so um, maybe that's okay. why, 
I have such a soft spot for Mr. Kaycock here because I am not <laughs> taking shots outside of my wheelhouse. But anyway, that's all we have this week. Uh, we're keeping it still short. We're still in the summer, summer mode, but you know, we're in September now. Um, training camp is going to be starting before we know it. Um, so everything, I know we keep saying this, but things you're picking up. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see maybe one more signing um, going into training Ooh. camp, but who, who knows? I have no inside information on that, but trying about 18 guys in camp. I, I, I think that might be more like 19 or 20. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But anyway, Brian, anything before we get out of here? Not much, man. Just uh, good luck on your last fantasy football draft this evening. Uh, yeah. Take it easy on the whiskey sours. I don't want to yeah, see you I, struggle at work tomorrow. I am I am not going to be as hungover or as drunk during this draft as I was on Sunday. So, um, <laughs> yeah, nothing like waking up and having Tom Brady as your quarterback. Real, real great to have the old 45-year-old under center. So, um, the GOAT. Yeah, the GOAT. You know, I think that's the number one way we can all know that Tom Brady's going to fall off a cliff this year is he's on Steve Dewald's fantasy team. So, you know, it took a long time for me to take him, but he's on my team now. So, all right. Thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. See you, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.